Future CEOs, Episode 9. So you want to be a CEO? Sure, go ahead, read your ABCs of managing book. Or if you really want to be a CEO, then keep on listening to this Future CEOs podcast with your host, Gareth Armstrong, as he gets you up close and personal with real-world CEOs thought leaders, and industry experts to learn from their experiences and the insight and wisdom they've gained while leading in these challenging and ever-changing times. Are you ready? Then let's do this. Hi, I'm Gareth Armstrong. Welcome to Future CEOs. Today, we're introducing something a little bit different. A lot of the time, people want to hear from the big-name CEOs, but many of you who are listening are not at the point or never want to be at the point where you are leading a massive organization. And so today we're going to be sitting with Danny, who is a startup CEO. Now, there's a big difference between a CEO in a corporate environment and a startup CEO. And we're going to be chatting to him a little bit about that difference. And uh, his startup is called dailyhomes.co.za. So it's an online startup. And I'm certain it's going to be an interesting conversation from uh, a CEO leadership perspective as well as a startup perspective. So I hope you enjoyed. Here he is. Danny Nachumson. Is that right? That's it. Welcome to Future CEOs. It's good to have you. Thank you. It's great to be here. Very excited. So you're the CEO of a startup called Daily Homes, .co.za. That's correct, yes. Uh, we're a uh, property portal that focuses exclusively on the affordable housing market. So uh, dailyhomes.co.za, it's a website that you can go to, and you can find properties for sale below 1.6 million rand, and rentals below 10,000 rand a month. So you're really catering to a group of individuals who aren't uh, earning mega money and um, we need a, an affordable home. Exactly. Uh, and it goes all the way uh, you know, across the spectrum as well. Uh, from somebody who's looking for a 2,000 rand a month place to rent in the CBD to an up-and-coming uh, executive looking to maybe buy their first home for around a million, 1.2 kind of mark. It's quite a broad range, but uh, the truth is that that entire range has been mostly ignored in the online space up until now. You know? well, well, certainly in a niche kind of a way. You can pick up a home for under one and a half million rand or that rental income range, you can pick up uh, homes there, but n certainly never in a niche space. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, if you were to go onto one of the other property portals and you were to search for a one and a half million rand place, you'd find... But you may not find that there's a hell of a lot of choice in that kind of range. Uh, and especially you, take a, you dial it all the way down to you know, looking for something between 1,500 and 3,000 rand a month. You're going to find nothing on the other portals. And uh, us on the other hand, you know, we've got plenty to choose from. Good quality, decent places that you can actually you know, live in uh, for whatever your price range is. Hmm. Now, we're not really here to talk about daily homes. We're actually here to talk about you because you're a startup CEO. And there are going to be a lot of our listeners that are startup CEOs as well. And they need to learn from you. They need to glean some wisdom from you. How do you feel about sharing some wisdom? Yeah, I'd love to. Uh, you know, I've participated in a few discussions like this before. I've always believed that the only way that uh, the startup ecosystem can work is if, you know, we all come to the party and help each other out and we learn from each other's experiences. And that's really your greatest participant in uh, success. So uh, let's kick off with a, a question, and that is, what does it take to be a CEO? What does it take to be a startup CEO? Well, that's a very good question. 
because, uh, you know, it's something that I think a lot of people battle with, uh, whether they should try and start up their own business, uh, whether they should go and get a more comfortable, secure job, that kind of thing. And I think that to be a CEO of a startup, you've got to have an absolute passion for it. You've got to love what you do. You've got to have a drive for success. You've got to be resilient. And you've got to have uh, a healthy dose of insanity. Healthy dose of insanity. Talk us through that. Well, uh, you know, uh, take my industry, for example. I know I'm going up against big players with deep pockets. Mm. People that could spend millions without batting an eye just to uh, make sure that I never see the light of the day. But, you know, you don't let it stop you. Uh, you uh, think outside the box. You uh, come up with new inventive ideas. You come up with ways that you can really get ahead of them despite their deep pockets. Uh, you know, if you were to let every business idea pass you by because you found reasons not to do it, and you can find reasons not to do absolutely any idea you'll ever come up with, then you'll never get anywhere. Mm, great answer. Your development journey is very important to our future CEO community. So perhaps you can talk us through a couple of early influences in your life. How did you get to where you are today? Growing up, I've always had an entrepreneurial flair. You know, when I was uh, in grade one or two, I used to take little uh, batteries found around my house. I'd attach a wire and a globe to them, and I'd sell them to my friends as torches. Okay. Uh, you know, uh, growing up a little later on, uh, I uh, started doing like a bit of computer training. 16-year-old me was coming into uh, corporates and teaching them how to use a computer. Oh, really? Okay. And, you know, I started, I've always had a passion to... Uh, run my own business of some sort or other. And, you know, I always did my own little things growing up. I think in grade eight, I was a part of uh, the KTV market day back then. Okay, and, right. uh, you know, all that kind of thing. And I think that that's uh, also uh, inspired by uh, my father, who uh, runs a very successful law firm. I think that, you know, being who I am, I've always wanted to pursue a career as an entrepreneur running my own business. I've never really been interested in getting, uh, you know, a comfortable job and climbing the corporate ladder. Sure. Let me jump in here quickly and speak about KTV. So KTV puts you into an era that if you don't know who KTV is or what KTV is, then you are too young or too old. <laughs> what's, what's KTV? Just to inform our listeners because some of them won't know what that is. Yeah, KTV back in the day was... Uh, Kids Television, I believe it stood for. It was uh, on, on Mnet. It was a program on Mnet. Uh, yeah, so uh, every year they used to hold a market day, which was marketed as Bar Kids for Kids. And if you were under eighteen and uh, you wanted to have a stall there, you could apply. And you know, every single stall was run by kids, and uh, then everyone would come through and sort of see the stalls there, buy stuff, and it was a great environment. And I remember actually, it was what you could basically call my first business. We had this great idea. Uh, well, it wasn't really our idea. We'd seen other people doing it before to put uh, those hologram stickers on cell phones. Okay. Uh, back then was before, you know, the smartphones and everything. Color screens didn't exist back then. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> It's another world, eh? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But uh, kids love to have these shiny little holograms on your phone that when you're in low light, you can't see it so you can see your phone properly but if you shine it in the sun you could see the hologram reflecting off of it so what we did is we uh, actually knew a guy uh, who was uh, doing this already and we approached him and it was me and a friend of mine at the time 
we actually managed to get him to introduce us to his supplier. And you know, I kind of got my father involved as well with a bit of negotiation there. We okay. negotiated a nice uh, consignment deal for a whole lot of uh, these holographic stickers. And then we applied to KTV Market Day and uh, we were very uh, ecstatic when we uh, were accepted. Set up a stall and, you know, uh, we uh, got ourselves a screwdriver set and just expected everyone to let us take their phones apart. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, not quite the way that it worked though, I assume. (laughs) Uh, Well, anyone under 15 without a parent with them was happy to let us take their phone apart. So (laughs) other than that, it didn't go quite as well as we'd hoped. But it was a hell of a lot of fun and we learned so much out of it. Speaking of lessons, uh, you've been doing this then for a long time. What was perhaps one of your earliest mistakes, or maybe even biggest mistakes, and what was the lesson that you took from that? So mistakes aren't bad, because we learn from them. What was a lesson, or a mistake, and then a lesson? So I've always viewed my career moves as sort of going from one step to the next, and everything I've done has kind of led to the next thing that I've done. Mm. So as you say, I don't view the mistakes as a bad thing uh, because they've always led to the next thing that I've done. The biggest mistake, I would say, is probably more recent. We raised some capital for daily homes, and uh, we had these big expansion dreams of you know growing very quickly mm. and uh, We needed to hire all these people to make these things work. And unfortunately, we hired people uh, earlier than we should have Mm. and burned through a lot of money unnecessarily. And it was a big learning curve for me because I came to realize that if your processes aren't right and aren't there and you don't know exactly what to do and how to do it, you can't expect someone else to come in and be able to do that. And rather sleep less and do more and you know, take it on yourself, grow a little bit slower until you are absolutely ready to employ people. And uh, not only that, but to employ the right people. The, the whole concept of this rush decision of you have to employ someone now is just ridiculous and it's a mistake that I'll never make again. Mm. I would rather spend months trying to find the right person next time than uh, to make a rush rush decision and hire the wrong person. Mm. Uh, What I hear you saying, and it's a key point, is that develop systems and allow people to fit into the system, not employ someone and then expect them to develop a system for you. Exactly. Exactly, because they won't, and so you can't expect them to. Uh, Somebody who's coming into a new job is going to be expected to be guided in that job. You're not employing your boss. Very nice. What aren't management or leadership books teaching about leading an organization, about starting an organization, uh, and really about being a CEO? So I think that one of the important things that uh, you have to learn for yourself is that failure is a real possibility. And everyone walks in, you know, with these bright dreams and we're going to be billionaires next year. And, you know, everything always takes a lot longer than you think it will. That's a fact. And I've seen that in not just my businesses, but so many other businesses around me. And you've got to accept the fact that there may be failure. It might be minor failure, might not be, uh, you know, end of business failure, but failure in small parts of what you're doing. Like this didn't work as we planned, that didn't work as we planned. Okay, now what are we going to do and move on, you know? Mm. It's all about learning from your mistakes and your failure and just understanding what went wrong and how you can uh, solve that problem. So earlier you mentioned you don't always have to come up with the next big idea. 
in your case, it was a bunch of stickers that you found, uh, sure. and you just wanted to perhaps use it differently or do it differently. How has that influenced some of the, the decisions that you've made around daily homes? So it's interesting because, uh, you know, the truth is that the concept of a property portal is not new. You know, uh, there are plenty other websites that you can go and search for properties. And what is important is innovation and being able to execute quickly and effectively. You know, if, uh, it, for example, I mean, just taking daily homes, if you look at the industry as a whole, I'm not talking about South Africa, I'm talking about global. You look at your top portals in the States and in uh, the UK, and then you compare them to, you know, the top guys in South Africa, and South Africa is lagging behind, mm. not just in property portals, but jobs and, you know, all these different portals. And I believe that, you know, they've just gotten comfortable. They're making good money and they don't see a reason why they have to keep innovating. And that's their loss because they've uh, left a gaping hole in the market. Mm. I mean, taking our niche out of uh, the equation completely, which is something all on its own, the fact that we cater to the affordable housing segment, just looking purely at uh, the innovation part of it. You know, what we've built up in uh, a year and a half has been uh, huge. I mean, if I say so myself, and uh, our plans... You you can brag as much as you like. (laughs) We don't mind. (laughs) And uh, where we're planning on going with it over the next few years will also be huge. And, you know, uh, it's not going to take us long before we overtake the existing portals in terms of pure world-class service and being able to do things uh, better, quicker, uh, more cost-effectively, And that's really the key to it, uh, I believe. Let's just talk about taking on risk for a moment. How have you dealt with that? So what are some of the risk elements that you've taken upon yourself and how have you dealt with it? Because there are some people that really struggle with that. So it's uh, also a very good question. And, you know, it's something that I think affects other people more than it affected me. You know, to my uh, to my advantage, it's one of the things kind of going for me. The fact that I'm young, I'm single, I don't have huge expenses. I was in a position where, you know, if there was ever a time where I was really going to give this a chance, it was going to be right here and now. Mm. You get uh, people that, you know, are married with kids and uh, have a mortgage to pay, and uh, it's a very different story for them. And sure. To take on that kind of risk at that stage is very brave. And I've seen some people give it a real try, and I have huge respect for that. Uh, sometimes, unfortunately, it doesn't work out. And, you know, I've seen them also get very, go very easily back into the roles they were in before, you know, go back to the corporate world. And, you know, at least they really gave it a try. Mm. Obviously, uh, you can't, you know, if you have financial commitments or, you know, even if you don't have huge financial commitments, you've still got to, you know, pay for basic food, water, uh, housing, etc., that you don't just jump into it unless you've got some savings built up. It's uh, a reality that pretty much any business is going to take time to build into something that's going to be able to sustain you. Mm. And for that reason, I would personally uh, recommend that you're able to go for at least six months to a year uh, without an income if you're going to jump in and uh, you know, start your own thing up, even longer than that if you can but I know a lot of people uh, can't. But I know a lot of people also uh, do consulting on the side and that kind of thing. I've done a bit of that as well, which has helped a lot. And then obviously, uh, you know, if you're lucky enough to raise capital, 
the venture capitalists will always understand that the entrepreneur has to eat. Uh, mm. And you'll, you'll never get a huge salary, uh, but you can earn enough to keep doing what you're doing. And, you know, the, the investors will almost expect that. You've raised an important point here, which is venture capital. A lot of people don't want to give away 50% of their business or they, they're scared of it. They don't maybe see the value in, in an angel investor or in approaching a VC firm or a private equity firm. What has been your experience with that? Okay, well, uh, first of all, uh, going after uh, external funding is not easy. It is a very time-consuming process. But if you have a hot concept and you go after the right people, you really can uh, jumpstart your business uh, using venture capital. And in my experience, Daily Homes would never have gotten to where it is today without uh, the assistance of venture capital, not just in terms of uh, the money, but especially in terms of the people. Bringing on board the mentors that I've got uh, has been hugely helpful. I'm talking people with the kind of experience of running uh, multinational global companies that are now coming in to uh, sit and have one-on-one time with you and mentor and train you. And that really uh, is invaluable on its own. Taking that out of the equation, uh, you know, certain businesses can't succeed without money, especially one like mine where... uh, you have to be spending on marketing every single day to actually have a business. Mm. And if you don't have that money, you're uh, going to hit a stone wall. Yes, you can build the system, you can have your processes, you can do everything that you can do on your own, but it will, it will be a hobby and not a business until you have uh, the money to put into it. Mm. Uh, if you have that kind of business, the important thing is first to show traction. You have to hustle. You've got to do what you've got to do. And you've got to just get a certain amount of traction to show that there is actual potential. That's the most important thing that any investor looks for. They, they're not looking to uh, throw their money away. They're not uh, necessarily looking for a huge leap of faith that just because this entrepreneur said, if I put a million rand into his business, is going to bring me out five. They're not going to take your word on it. They, they want to see some proof of it. Nothing beats ha- having actual traction. If you say to them, uh, you know, without uh, any money or assistance, I've managed to do X, Y, and Z, and based on that, with this money, I'll be able to do A, B, and C, you know, that makes uh, a huge difference. Just be careful about who you approach because you can waste your time going after the wrong investors as well mostly because a lot of venture capital firms have mandates and you've got to read through and understand those mandates, especially government. Uh, There's nothing wrong with going after government uh, for funding. There are a few government funds that uh, are there for that purpose, Mm. but then they've got strict mandates. So, uh, you know, some of them will be for technology only, for example. Uh, A lot of VCs uh, will say, we're not interested in early stage. If you're pre-revenue, don't even bother applying etc. And angel investors are great. Uh, They're amazing, but they're generally not looking to put huge cash in. So, you know, if you're looking for under a million rand, uh, by all means, you know, go canvas for angel investors wherever you can. But if you're looking for uh, for more than that, uh, you may be wasting your time Mm. trying to pursue angel investors. Okay. There are certainly going to be people out there that simply just don't have the experience that you do in this area. And we appreciate what you're sharing. Your biggest light bulb moment as you stepped into maybe a bigger role than you had been in the past? The thing is that uh, I guess everything has always been one step on the next. So it's difficult to say what my biggest light bulb moment as such would be. I would say that one of the proudest moments 
was when we uh, did raise uh, our venture capital round. Mm. And that was really uh, an amazing moment for us because very things were very uncertain before that. We didn't know if we're going to run out of money, if we're going to be able to take this to the next level. And to have uh, experienced business people really believe in uh, not just the business, but they believe in, in you, you know, mm. you're the one running this business. And to have the faith of putting their money behind you is, you know, it's a huge responsibility and it's one that, you know, burdens you quite considerably. But it's also, it's a good feeling knowing that they have that level of trust in you. Mm, yeah, that, that ratification of your idea and of, of you yourself. I mean, that's what I hear you saying. Yeah, yeah. I think that from what I've heard from most investors, especially early stage, you know, later stage, they look at the business, they'll judge it entirely based on the paperwork. But early stage, they're interested in the actual entrepreneur uh, at least equally as much as they are in the business, if mm. not more so. Please finish the sentence for us, Danny. As a CEO or a founder CEO, my highest priority every day is to ensure? To ensure that we hit targets, that we uh, you know, make money, that we keep shareholders happy, and that we're growing. You know, at the beginning of every day, I always have a list of hundreds of things that have to be done, and I'll never cover everything that needs to be done in a day. But at the end of the day, I need to know that I've made progress towards that greater goal, that we're growing, that we're getting there, that we're going to take over the world. Every entrepreneur's dream, I think. <laughs> <laughs> so we're speaking about KPIs here, really. I mean, key performance indicators. What would you say are one or two critical KPIs for all entrepreneurs or all startups across the board? Okay, sure. Uh, I mean, what, what we look at in Daily Homes is we look at the cost per acquisition of an inquiry. See, our model works uh, solely off of us being able to sell leads for cheaper or for more expensive than we're able to acquire them for. People come onto the website and that comes through our marketing channels and uh, they hopefully inquire on properties and we then sell that lead onto the estate agents or property developers that uh, manage or own that property. And we're selling leads for uh, 35 bucks a lead. Our entire business model revolves around us being able to acquire those leads for less than 35 bucks a lead, preferably a lot less than that. And mm. that's what we've uh, you know, been able to do. And that is what uh, my uh, biggest focus is on in the company, just making sure that we're constantly uh, doing whatever we can to as acquire as many leads as possible for as cheap a price as possible. What I hear you talking about here is really just your profit point. What is it that actually makes us profitable? Yes, uh, but looking specifically at gross profit uh, more than anything else. Because, uh, you know, over and above that, there's always going to be other overheads. Uh, you know, marketing isn't our only expense. And that's okay, uh, because we're not projecting to be uh, profitable for a little while. And that's perfectly normal in a startup situation. But uh, we have to at least be making a gross profit. If we're losing money off every lead, then uh, we're never, ever going to become profitable. Yeah, that, that's, a bit of, that's a, a bit of a problem. We'd have to look at your uh, business model quite carefully then, I think. <laughs> exactly. What's the best advice you've ever received? The best advice I've ever received is not to be scared, just to go out and do things. You know, naivety is actually on your side because you'd be surprised at the results that you can achieve. You know, 
people will say that things are impossible uh, and later they'll ask you how you did it. Let's just quickly talk about the word that you use, naivety. In a world with so much information, with so much uh, out there, how do you stay naive? What do you mean by that? So obviously you have to be informed. You know, uh, I, I know my industry fairly well and I know the big players I'm up against. But on the other hand, I say, you know, well, that doesn't have to be the end of it. So they can, you know, spend millions on things that we could never dream of spending anything on. And mm. that doesn't have to stop us. We just think of other ways around it. And someone with more experience uh, may uh, be discouraged because they know the hardships that, uh, that follow. But uh, you've just got to keep an open mind. Uh, just say, you know, well, let's try this anyway. Mm. Uh, and that's the kind of naivety that, uh, that I mean. Mm. Okay, very nice. What one habit do you attribute your success to at this point? Uh, well, first of all, I would count you and say that being in startup does not mean success. But uh, we're getting there. Sure. Uh, <laughs> but uh, the one, uh, do you say the one habit? One habit, yeah. I would say just hard work. There's no getting around it. Being uh, the head of a startup is long hours, hard work, and that is really the biggest part of it. Mm. Uh, you uh, need to be able to work efficiently. You need to be able to get everything done that's uh, going to be expected of you. And, you know, in my case, I have other shareholders that I obviously have to be mindful of. But irrespective of that... You know, a company that doesn't have other shareholders and it's just you, you have to be very diligent to uh, do your work and, uh, you know, not be able to work without having a boss. Mm. It's very easy to start taking uh, late mornings and start doing your own thing, but you're never going to get anywhere that way. You've got to actually be very diligent. You've got to put the work in. And if, you, if you're resilient and you keep at it and uh, you don't let failure put you down, I believe everyone will eventually get there. So your three pillars of startup CEO leadership, what are they? Okay, well, I think that, uh, you know, I actually have a, quite a technical background and I uh, did most of the software development myself. Okay. And I think that uh, it's very important in a startup, a, a tech startup that I'm talking specifically about, to either be able to do those tasks yourself and have those skills yourself or to find a very capable and skilled partner that can do that for you because uh, I've seen it dozens of times where uh, people try to outsource their tech in a tech startup and your tech is the core of of who you, of what makes you who you are mm. and I think that uh, your uh, chances of success are significantly diminished as soon as you have to go that kind of route mm. so I guess you could sum that up uh, into uh, making sure that the core skills required for the business are internal within the business. The hard work, there's no getting around that. And a third pillar, I would say, is uh, in finding the right mentors and realizing that uh, you don't know everything. You're uh, still, you know, well, at least in my case, still uh, quite new at this and learning on the job. And that's exciting and that's great. But find mentors and uh, take their advice and uh, use their knowledge. Mm. Okay, very, very nice. So what should future CEOs be studying over and above maybe their formal education or maybe an advanced degree like an MBA? In your view, what should they be studying? 
So I don't know if I'm the right person to answer that question because <laughs> uh, I did a uh, law degree, which I hated every minute of, um, and it did kind of stand me in good stead for where I am today. But uh, I believe that degree or no degree, uh, you know, being an entrepreneur uh, will prevail. And it's really just about getting out there and, you know, starting something. You'll learn on the job. You, uh, you don't need to sit studying to learn how to be an entrepreneur. Yes, there are, you know, courses and they help a hell of a lot. Uh, the environment that I'm in uh, here actually has uh, a course called Seed Academy mm. where they uh, put through people through a 10-week training course uh, on entrepreneurship. And I've been through that course and it's invaluable. It's brilliant. Mm. But you don't have to go through that to uh, give yourself, you know, you're giving yourself excuses not to be an entrepreneur. If you're saying, well, first I have to do these courses, just go out there and do something. Has there been any point on your entrepreneurial journey where you felt, I really, I just don't have this capacity. I don't have this ability. I need to go and find this somewhere. And what was that thing? Yeah, it was uh, probably for me, it would, would have been sales. When we first started out, uh, I had no sales experience. I didn't really know how to be a salesperson. And, you know, uh, I mentioned before in uh, my, my greatest regrets that uh, we hired too quickly. And, mm. uh, you know, a big part of that was hiring salespeople. And, you know, I re quickly realized that uh, despite my lack of sales experience, I was uh, still a more effective salesperson just by having absolute knowledge of the product mm. the fact that any potential client could ask me any question about the product and i could answer them right then and there with conviction you know that was my i learned actually was my greatest tool mm. so yeah you know what i learned and also again where mentors really came in where i had a lot of help and assistance was uh, in learning that it wasn't as difficult as i thought it would be and if you've got a great product you know it really well you can just go out there and sell it mm. and I believe that uh, you learn a lot of the stuff on the job and you just not got to be, uh, uh, you can't be scared of learning new things and uh, doing new things and you can always just go out there and give it a shot. Now on the sales point, often what we perceive sales to be is where we walk into an environment and we win them over and we tell them all of our best features, you know, sell the benefits as they say, which is important. But it also, in your particular position, being so technically proficient, have you found that sometimes or in some of the sales meetings that you've been, you've spoken too much and you've, you've given too much? I generally take the approach of uh, turning a sales meeting into a conversation. Mm. I used to uh, you know, come with presentations and you know, I'd sit and run them through the scripted pitch and all of that. Sure. And I kind of quickly did away with that. So I'll rather just walk in and, you know, you can actually learn so much by asking your, your customer questions. Mm. Say to them, you know, what are you currently uh, doing to solve this problem? Uh, how big of a problem is it uh, in, your, uh, in your life? Uh, you know, how can we help you kind of thing? Mm. And sometimes it's important to, you know, just keep quiet and listen to the customer for a while. Otherwise, you may be selling them something they're not interested in. You may be going with the wrong angle mm. uh, and yeah I think that that's important. Very good answer that's exactly where I wanted that to go to a point where we talk about listening as part of the sales process so thank you for <laughs> for being such a good salesperson. Perhaps it makes you the great salesperson. <laughs> Perhaps it does. <laughs> what book do you recommend or future CEOs read? 
Well, specifically uh, in the tech startup industry, I would definitely recommend you read The Lean Startup by Eric Ries. Mm -hmm. Excellent book. It changed my thinking on a lot of uh, different things. And then in general, I would say uh, there are a lot of books by a lot of uh, people that uh, are very inspiring. I did really enjoy reading uh, the Steve Jobs biography, not because it will teach you anything about running a business, just because, you know, it's very inspiring. You finish reading that book and you think, right, I'm going to go change the world Mm. now. And other than that, uh, I must be honest, I haven't got the time that I used to have to read anymore, so uh, I can't really give many more suggestions. No, those are two really, really good suggestions. And odds are that most of our listeners are not going to have a huge amount of time anyway, so uh, those are two good recommendations. Thank you. Let's wind down the conversation with one or two more questions. The first being, if you could go back in time and speak to the ambitious 18, 20-year-old you, if you could go back to that point, what counsel or guidance would you give yourself knowing what you know now? I would tell myself to be more open to what other people have to say and to sit and learn more Mm. and not to, you know, I think it's very important to to jump the gun and to go out and just do something. But it's also very important not to have a hot head about it and Mm. uh, to uh, realize that other people uh, are giving you guidance uh, not because they uh, want to seem big-headed themselves, but because they actually want to help you. Mm. And to just ignore everyone's advice is just silly. And when uh, when I was 18, I was uh, running an IT support business. Uh, I told, as I mentioned before, a big part of that was actually doing uh, computer training. Mm. And I was actually, actually wasn't even 18 yet. I was 17 and I was finishing up matric. And I got approached by uh, a... Uh, advertising company that wanted to uh, me to advertise uh, on their website and I was very uh, young and naive back then and I pretty much on a whim put my life savings <laughs> as a 17 year old kid into this advertising project it was all of about 10,000 rand at the time but, sure. uh, but you know to me that 10,000 rand was everything I no, had exactly and I knew that I should have you know spoken to my father about it or something first I knew I should have probably thought a bit more about it but he was such a uh, convincing salesperson who just wouldn't leave without a signed contract and eventually I gave it to him and it landed up being the worst 10,000 rand I've ever spent Uh, I didn't get a single thing for it and uh, you know I landed up being uh, out of uh, life savings Mm. you know as it happens uh, I suppose I'm quite privileged to have a father who's also an attorney Mm. and we uh actually managed to get all that money back okay good. Uh, but, uh, but so he was not impressed with me uh, that I did that deal without talking to him mm. and uh, I think that that's important because I knew that if I asked him he'd say no but I had all these things in my head that he wouldn't know what he's talking about I just need to do this uh, mm. my phone will be ringing off the hook and uh, you know I suppose it is a bit of a learning curve mm, no, very nice before we part company any last words to our future CEOs community that you'd like to share Sure. Uh, As I said before, I think that a huge key to success uh, in a startup uh, environment is uh, networking with each other and sharing each other's stories 
And with that in mind, you know, I'd be happy to meet with anybody who's looking to start up uh, their own business. I'm not going to steal anyone's ideas. People get very attached to their ideas. Be assured there's no value in an idea, and I seriously don't have the time to steal it anyway. Mm. (laughs) Uh, But anyone who wants to grab a cup of coffee and just chat through with me, you know, I at least have enough experience to let you know if you're onto something or not, can maybe point you in the right direction. And the same goes the other way around, that uh, if anyone has uh, some knowledge to impart to me, We are, by the way, currently looking to raise a round of capital. If anybody uh, is interested in uh, daily homes, uh, I'm more than happy to open uh, that conversation as well. How do people get hold of you? So uh, you can uh, get me on email. It's Danny, D-A-N-N-Y, at dailyhomes, that's D-A-I-L-Y-H-O-M-E-S dot C-O dot Z-A. Or you can catch me on Twitter at Dnoch, that's D-N-O-C-H. Or you can uh, get me on LinkedIn. My uh, name is Danny Nochemson. That's N-O-C-H-U-M-S-O-H-N. Good luck. (laughs) (laughs) I realize that it's very difficult to remember. But uh, your best bet really is either email or D-N-O-C-H on Twitter. So on that note, before I forget how to pronounce your surname, we're going to say goodbye. Danny Nochemson. Hey, you got it. (laughs) Okay, great. Founder, CEO, and startup CEO of dailyhomes.co.za. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you for your wisdom and your insights and your willingness to share with us. Thank you very much. I really had a great time and uh, all of the best. I uh, hope that all the future CEOs have nothing but success. Thank you. If you would like to make contact with Danny, he shared his email address as well as a number of other ways to make that contact. And you'll find those details on our website as well. I'm Gareth Armstrong. This is Future CEOs. It's been a pleasure being with you again. Thanks for joining us today on Future CEOs. And we hope you're feeling inspired and ready to take action. Head over to future-ceos.com for show summaries, recaps, articles, and other resources aimed at fast-tracking your rise to CEO status to make it even easier for you. Simply sign up for our weekly newsletter and we'll keep you up to date on all interviews, special guest appearances, new developments, and more.